Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jared Brandon. Tony Dudzik of Pick Guardian. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome. And we've got a very special, very long distance guest on the line right now. Uh, Frank Dimel, Dimel Guitar Works. Frank Dimel of Dimel Guitar Works, Woo. calling all the way from... Well, it's close to Berlin, Germany, but we are on the countryside now. Yes, the beautiful countryside of near Berlin, Germany. (laughs) Uh, So we are super excited to be talking with him today and to share uh, what, what he's got to say with all of you who are listening. We are grateful for you choosing us and downloading uh, our podcast. We love doing this, and we love that you uh, continue to download. And, uh, you know, as I always say, please hit us up with any questions. We get lots of them. We love answering them. We're pretty prompt, I think. And between the knobs that typically uh, grace the microphones, we were able to to answer most of the questions. I'm a master of none, uh, but but the good thing is that most of the other knobs are masters of something. And if we're not, we know somebody else. That's true. I know a guy. That's right. Yeah, we got lots of people who know guys. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, it is a beautiful Sunday morning today, and it is a beautiful Sunday afternoon in Germany. Right. Yeah, a bit rainy though, but uh, hopefully it's getting better soon. Well, that makes everything green. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I've had a busy week this week in music. Why don't I just, I'll just start. How's that? I never start. What's new in your guitar world? Well, had a gig last night and the, the, I'd, I'd spoken previously about setting up for this gig because I was playing... The Godin, uh, the Godin with a P90, it's a hollow body, and uh, it's arch top, and just trying to dial in the sound f- from different ways, and was a little ner- worried about it, because I hadn't, I had no idea what the room was like at all, and we got there, and it was this grand ballroom that was built in 1918. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So it was a two-tier ballroom, so there was a, a, like a, a balcony walkway, you know, so people could mingle upstairs and kind of look over the edge. So this was built for big bands to play in. Hmm. And the sound in this place was like just awesome. Orchestra. It was all wood on the inside. There wasn't a bunch of, you know, weird metal and, and, and girders and anything like that. Everything was all wood. And... No rotary girders. I was checking the uh, specs on the end line for the rotary girder. <laughs> um, the you know, we had a big raised stage, and up on the catwalk there was. Uh, I mean, I'm calling it a catwalk. I don't know what that what it's called. A balcony walk, whatever. There's probably some you <laughs> the know promenade. The promenade. Uh, <laughs> there were all these pictures of all the people that had played there throughout the years, and you know, talking about the, like t- uh, Tommy Dorsey, t- uh, like Frank Sinatra, like. Wow. I mean, big name, like it, it was just this wall of fame. And it was funny because every, uh, every headshot was kind of the same. It was like, lean in with your left shoulder. We're going to take a great picture of you. <laughs> they, they all looked, it was, it, was a, it was a time capsule. And it, it was a little bit Shining-esque, I'm not going to lie. Because, uh, fr- Frank, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie The Shining, but 
Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So you know when he's looking at sort of the old historical pictures of the of the hotel? Yeah. And everybody's partying and looking up at the camera. You know, it was a lot like that. It was I'm not gonna lie, it was a little creepy because you're like, these were actual people having yeah. the having the, the time of their life right here. And they were captured in an instant, you know, a hundred years ago. Yeah. It was a hundred years old. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think about. And then where was where was the place? Uh, Valley Dale. Oh, Valley Dale. Okay. Yeah. With the first thing I said when we walked up, I said, I expect uh, Ted Knight from Caddyshack to to <laughs> pop out any minute and start yelling at me. It just had this old. There was an oldness to it. You just have to look at it. And we pulled up in this parking lot, and it was the the the, the parking lot was just just shredded, just old rubble like concrete. And we're like, guys, like. Repaved the parking lot here, right? Right. Well, it wasn't a parking lot. So we found out, looking at these old pictures, there was the indoor venue, and then there was this beautiful sort of amphitheater that had benches along the side, and it was, uh, and, and then it was like a concrete dance floor. Oh, wow. This, I mean, it was just so neat. And the sound was amazing, and it was, it was great. I had a good time. Cool. Yeah. Sounds, so that was my weird. music stuff for the for the Tony Go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what do I have? What's going on in my world? Well, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. The big thing this uh, this week or so was uh, my beloved Sparkle Drive by Voodoo Labs passed away. Oh. Uh, and I was using that we'll primarily. Have to RIP the uh, yeah the four on the floor. Yeah. So I have to I have to redo my four on the floor. But uh, the good news is. Uh, I was using the Sparkle Drive, I think, as we talked about, primarily for uh, like a lead boost or uh, and that type of thing. Um, so in my circle of, uh, of guitar experts, uh, we came to the conclusion that the uh, best option would be the exotic EP booster. Oh, that's a good one. That is it. And I have, I have to say it's the best. I got a used one for, I think, $75. And it's the best $75 I've spent. Mm-hmm. Um, At least since you were 20. <laughs> What's up? Hey, $75 bought me a whole lush Paul back then. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm really pleased with it. Um, it's uh, The circuitry is meant to duplicate that of a uh, an Echoplex preamp. Mm-hmm. And, thus the um, EP. Thus the EP. Um, and, uh, and that's the, made by exotic pedals, exotic with an X. Right. And, uh, real happy with that. So shout out to exotic. Awesome. Excellent. To, uh, it, well, Frank, why don't we have you go? Well, yeah, I mean, um, as a luthier, I'm all, all, always looking around, uh, also on social media, what's, uh, going on and uh, the most um, impressive uh, uh, news for, to me was like that Fender um, Corporation Fender um, guitars they um, announced to drop the Rosewood guitars and uh, they want to replace the fretboards now with Ebony and Paul Ferro and um, I, I thought wow <laughs> I mean um, now they use other tropical woods. Why do they do this? And um, I, I guess in a couple of years, Ebony and Paul Farrow will be on the list of sightings. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was for me the most impressive uh, guitar-related thing happening. Uh, besides my daily um, building and repair processes here. And, yeah. How, how difficult is uh, getting woods like that in Germany right now? 
Oh, actually, it's not really difficult. It's just more paperwork. More paperwork, more money. (laughs) Yeah, I just, exactly, more work and more, um, yeah, bureaucracy. And uh, we just uh, got 20 new Indian rosewood fretboards from our uh, supplier. It was no problem. And he made note on the invoice where he got the stuff from. And so we have to always put this on our invoices now. So it's it's just a little bit more of, um, yeah, paperwork mm. and but it's not a problem to get it it's not forbidden mm-hmm. but i suppose if you're fender and buying them probably a pallet at a time or five pallets at a time much is probably a little more difficult yeah i think also it's a yeah for um the, the market they want to uh, make a um a uh, positive uh, signal that we are not using rosewood anymore mm-hmm. and uh I don't know. Maybe it's just a market marketing thing, you know. Uh, you know, I, I've got a question about that. Obviously, there are other woods, and we see a lot of companies um, not not just like guitar or anything like that, but just companies around the world making pretty big choices now to say, you know what, we're going to do the right thing. It might be hard, but it is going to be the right thing ultimately, long term. And yeah. they had the opportunity really to say we're not going to use another small uh, small exotic wood. I mean, there's not, it's not like there's... They're going to use it all up? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and Ebony is certainly one of those ones that's like, really, uh, that's, really? that's the one you're going to choose? But mm-hmm. uh, obviously it has great um, acoustic um, characteristics. But I guess my, my, my thought was that they could have said, we're going to go with a totally other either material altogether yeah which you know could have been heresy if they had chosen uh, you know some sort of synthetic kind of th- substance or or a you know combination of things uh yeah. or, or just a, a, a totally more available more sustainable uh wood and my question yeah. from that is as a luthier what would you have done well, uh, actually, I'm in a network now. Uh, we have a collaboration with uh, the government um, to um, do some science about it. And uh, there's a university around, uh, on far away from here. Uh, they approached us about this uh, network. And um, it's about uh, thermotreating, thermotreatment um, of um, uh, local woods. Hmm. So that. These woods are going to have uh, qualities, uh, another or a new quality, which um, may reach up to a tropical wood. And um, that's we are doing tests, and uh, it's about two to three years now. Um, and the goal is that each um, partner, in the end, uh, gets his own oven, a small oven where you can adjust uh, your temperature, and you can do your own little series of uh, local woods oh, wow normally if you do this normally you have to uh, ask a huge supplier and they have like container sized uh, ovens um, the thing is there we are doing research on on that topic and we want to um, come up with a, uh, with a good result where we can prove that this is a, uh, a really good replacement material and it will also have acoustic um, yeah it, it's um, it has an acoustic quality. Mm-hmm. Normally, if you say, okay, I, I just use 
whatever buckle heat or uh, another resin combined with wood dust or so, mm -hmm. it uh, does not have any structure. But but if you have wood, wood has um, a structure which you need to use in building guitars, and so it's not easy. But uh, the the best way we think is to use local woods and treat them. And we even got uh, some sample uh, results. Um, for instance, uh, I don't know if the, the, there's two names for the wood. We call it Robinia acacia. It's similar. Robinia acacia. Yes, Robinia. Mm -hmm. okay. And and if you treat this wood, um, it gets dark brown, brownish dark, as as looks like chocolate. Huh. And it's really really hard and, and uh, has acoustic prop, uh, um, qualities. It's I think a good way to use that, for instance. And the customer from far away won't never notice that this is not rosewood. Let me ask you this: Is there a lot of uh, technique changing when you when you have different? You know woods like that because of you know the density and things like that does that really alter your technique and force you to change the way you do things yeah this is um the um, things we are going to research and uh we want to um do test series how, how um you have to glue it and uh, does the glue attach to it and you have to put the frets in how does it react when you press in a fret right. because the, the material also gets a little bit brittle and it's, it gets uh, sort of destroyed in the oven to a certain degree, but we have to adjust that degree. <laughs> so Interesting. We uh -huh. uh, you know, um, I am curious. The, the, the Hagstrom uh, sells their, uh, their fretboards as uh, deemed as resonator fretboards. And... From what I've been able to uncover, those are basically emulating ebony. It's from from what I've from the information I've gathered, and it's not this isn't gospel. So if anybody knows the actual gospel <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, for this, it, from what I understand, it's it's um, layers of uh, paper and phenolic resin. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that is. So that gives you your structure that you were talking about and the resin. There's a, there's a um, company in Washington, last NAMM show I went to, um, they, they make, and it comes in various colors and everything, but their biggest color, I guess, would be dark brown, black with, mm -hmm. to emulate ebony. And it has about the same density. And it's, a, as you say, it's paper with resin and compressed in a, uh, some, you know, megaton press that makes it very dense material. Yeah. Um, mm. The only problem I've heard about it is uh, is cutting it is very tough on blades and routers mm. because it is a, it's a tough. That's not not unlike ebony. Ebony is kind of tough on, yeah. on router bits things too. Mm. Yeah, things have to be adjusted to that material, of course. Mm. Are you talking about the Blackwood Tech? Is it that material? I think that might be there. Are they are they in Washington State? Ah, okay. Mm. So. Yeah. There's another company called Rocklight, and that's, um, that, I think that's who uh, who I met where it, I saw their samples. I think it was Rocklight. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as I know, they are from UK originally, okay. and um, I have samples here. And we also did uh, some test series with it. Uh, we put it in water overnight, and then you could see it. It got uh, as big, as double as big as before. Oh. <laughs> so oh, it wow. was. It got compressed in, as you said, a megaton press or whatever. It, it's uh, similar stuff. It's they say it's 
um, uh, there is ebony inside, so it seems to be cutoffs or uh, um, sending uh, debris or whatever. Sawdust. They press sawdust. Sawdust. Yeah. And they press it together with resin or so. Yeah. And there is also sort of a structure in in there, but uh, not like grain or so. Yeah. Oh. That, they, that seems to be the benefit of of doing sort of paper layers. It's almost like a it's almost like a samurai blade of a of a fretboard, just yeah. layer upon layer upon layer. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the customers also expect some. Um, they want to see the grain, you know, on on like highly figured uh, rosewoods, and that's appealing to the eye, but uh, also another difficulty. But maybe with local woods, it's possible. I don't know. I wonder if that's changing too. I think. Um, I, I mean, there's certainly there's certainly a faction of the guitar world uh, that is completely enamored with exotic woods. And, you know, I, for some reason we talked, we talked about this before, but the base, there's a faction in the base community. There's like, if you don't have a base that has at least seven different exotic woods, it's not worth <laughs> your time. <laughs> so, so they may have a hard time in the future. I don't know how that's going to work out, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the other thing, which I don't understand actually why we are, talking about this topic, maybe in the last sentence to it. Um, um, why don't they put new trees into the ground when they cut off uh, the, the, the tropical trees? Mm -hmm. uh, like sustainability thoughts. No? Um, we are you in the German forests. It's like if you cut uh, some trees here, you have to put in new ones and that the following generations have wood. And the German uh, forest um, at uh, in, in its entire uh, volume is growing now. And every 20 minutes, uh, there's a new house growing, hmm. they, they say. That's awesome. And maybe it's not possible on tropical, uh, in tropical areas. I don't know. So that, uh, you know, maybe you have the answer to this because you work with uh, woods more than the three of us do. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. But hmm. what does the... Uh, the the tendency to try to employ the use of ex, of tropical woods when we say exotic woods they're almost all tropical right yeah sure so yeah. What, what is it about the tropical woods that has a quality that we can't find elsewhere yeah i mean if you um have a really nice brazilian rosewood fretboard which is like 50 years old, <laughs> um, you tap it, it's amazing. It's, it's like a bell. Mm. And it's really true. The, um, it's not only because it was dark or, or available, it really sounds great. Mm -hmm. There's no way around it. If you compare this to Indian rosewood, Indian rosewood makes a dull uh, resonance. Brazilian is like a bell. Mm. It's amazing. And, but the question is, if in the seventh row of a public uh, um, audience, uh, anybody will notice that there's a Brazilian rosewood on the guitar versus right, right. whatever else. <laughs> so it's more for the builder, more for the player. It's for the player's uh, pleasure, right. actually, to know that he has like high quality stuff in his guitar. I see. Yeah, I guess... Um it must be something that that's coming out of the minerals and the water combination of minerals and the water. Cause I mean, those are, those are really fast growing trees, yeah. uh, you know, in the rainforest. Uh, mm. so, so it's warm. 
yeah. all year yeah. round. It's all, and then, of course, all those woods, or many of those woods, are very oily or have a lot of resin in them. So yeah. It's, yeah. It has, has a, affects the tone as well. Interesting. Wood. It's the Wood Podcast. <laughs> well, hey, that was super fun talking about. Um, Jared's chewing his lip off here trying to talk about it. You, if you say that Gibson L6, I'm cutting off your mic. <laughs> <laughs> That's Actually, a beautiful that, pick card now. Oh, yeah. That's been in the case for a while. Good. But. Keep it there. What's next? <laughs> Probably not. Um, <laughs> no, this uh, my grandpa's brother's son-in-law's son-in-law. That makes and, him And I said to you. that. Well, nothing. an off-to-the-distance cousin, if anything, nothing. Okay. Anyway, he's a really good guitar player. Great uh, gypsy jazz oh. player. Fantastic mm-hmm. um, fella. His name's Muffy Merritt. Mike Merritt, but he goes by Muffy Merritt. <laughs> Married um, <clears throat> a distant cousin of mine, as I thoroughly explained a second ago. And they moved to Nashville. Um, he picked up a an Epiphone uh, custom uh, you know, a Les Paul custom Epiphone like version. Like the one I'm trying to sell. Just, I'm just saying. Well, he paid 75 bucks for it. So. Not that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how this relates to me is he called me up and he's like, hey, man, I need a I need a set of pickups and and they need to be uh, like Neil Young. And he sent me a picture. And uh, wow. So um, okay, wait, it, elaborate on okay that. neil young is famous for well one of his guitars that he has i believe now i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure it's a 1953 and it's been painted black the top has and uh the i thought it was just a black top yeah maybe black it is beauty. a black top but no it's not a black beauty it's got trapezoids okay so i'm i'm pretty sure it and that would be correct for a 53 um the top was painted black at some point, probably. It's got, an, I guess, an aluminum pickguard. Yes. Uh, aluminum. I'm going to guess that it's an aluminum uh, P90 it's called cover. Old black. Yeah, it's called yeah, Old Black. Self-made. The cover is self-made. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and the bridge is a Firebird pickup, an old gold cover bridge. And... You know, we're finding out that if you want a metal beauty ring that goes around a humbucker route or a P90 route, probably on this guitar most likely, uh, nobody makes them in a regular production that we know of. So I finally I found a brass version and you can get plastic all day long for a few bucks. But I got this brass version and we're going to I think we're going to go ahead and, and make some of those. And uh, I think I'm going to try to uh, uh, offer this as something, but uh, uh, for a very short period of time. But just finding this stuff is, that's what I love about about what I do all the time, it, is, is trying to find this stuff to put together. Um, and who knows what Neil Young was thinking or what was going through his mind when he put this thing together and who knows how long ago it was, but, uh, I find that really interesting. And, uh, <clears throat> that's kind of been consuming me a little bit this past week in my guitar world mm. is trying to find these pieces to put together this conglomerate of, of, uh, rare stuff that you don't see. Can you buy a, a mirrored pick guard, a plastic one for a few bucks on eBay? Sure you can, but, uh, what's but the fun in mirrored, that? Though. It's so. Uh, His isn't mirrored. It, it, it's so shiny because it's been you know rubbed so much. From it's playing. chrome. 
His? Yeah. So I'm I'm the the interwebs are helping me out real quick. I'm not so, I, I'm not. So that's totally, a real. So that's a chromed pit guard. It says here that the uh, uh, let's see, da, 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 it was a. Uh, uh, it was presu- it presumably also had a white plastic pick guard at some point. Let's see, the pick guard is now chrome on brass slash bronze. Whoa! Ah, yeah, that's available. Yeah, you can buy that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this, yeah. Where? Oh, um, Shala has that. Shala, Germany. Yeah. They are offering metal parts in. Uh, yeah, they have knobs and, and, and knob and switch tips. Uh, pot knobs and, and, and pickguards in metal chrome. Bingo. Yeah. Well, he, those are also <laughs> Schaller uh, tuning keys as well. And uh, just a little bit of more history on Old Black. It was originally a gold top. Uh, right. That's what I thought it was because in 53, that's all you can get. And it originally had uh, the humbucker but was replaced by um, – Wait, sorry. It didn't originally have a Heimbucker. It would have been a, a P90. P90. Right, sorry. Yeah. But uh, it, it says here that the bridge pickup was replaced by a Gretsch Dynasonic single coil pickup. Eventually, a Humbucker pickup from Gibson Firebird guitar replaced the Dynasonic. Right. So, <laughs> so just in case you're driving line going, it wasn't a Firebird, it was a Dynasonic. You guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he changed it out. <laughs> so... So that's I, yeah. That I whole thing. A, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I have read an inter, interview about um, his guitar tech, and um, he, he had a very nice story to that guitar. Uh, he, uh, Neil was uh, asking if he can replace the frets. The frets were totally played down. Mm-hmm. The notes were not ringing anymore, and he had problems intonating and so. And then um, yeah, he said no problem. I changed the frets. He gave him the guitar back. And then he said, immediately put back the old frets. I can't play this thing. Wow. <laughs> he had to manage to put in these old frets again. Wow. Um, which, which I wouldn't do. I mean, it's a totally oh difficult job. Yeah. But it's <laughs> Neil Young. You, you have to yeah. listen to Neil Young. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's this whole thing has been really fun and educational to me. It's it's. I love it when uh, people call me and request things like that. So, um, it's been educational for all of us, Jared. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. No, I I, I had a question for you, Frank. About uh, I noticed you do a lot of uh, anodized stuff, uh, yeah. guards, mm-hmm. which are mm-hmm. really difficult here for some reason in the U.S. to to get a hold of. And I I don't work with metal, but uh, is that something that you do in house, or do you have a company there that that does your anodizing and and aluminum guards? Uh, we have a company in Berlin. They are doing it entirely. Uh, we are just um, designing them here on uh, Illustrator. Mm-hmm. We, we send them uh, the, the file. It's a DXF file. And um, they make it. They cut it uh, with, I think, it's either CNC or laser. And then they put um, and they, they anodize it. And they have like 24 different colors. And they can mix them all. Yeah. No, so that's, that's, that's they, the, the, the things that I've seen online are, are really nice. I, uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, hey, that's a good segue. Really nice guitars. Thanks. <laughs> Dymo Guitar Works. Uh, so for those listening wondering why the heck we're talking to Frank all the way in Germany, uh, I ran across his uh, work on 
Instagram. <laughs> it was uh, is actually one of his uh, special run guitars that somehow made it into my feed, and I dang near dropped the phone because it was just I'd never seen anything like it. Uh, they're the custom ones that he does that his uh, his wife actually works on, and Frank will get into that a little bit. But uh, from there, I dug deeper into uh, his his more you know the, the work that he's known for and i was really interested so we we contacted him and uh here we are now if you are not driving <laughs> and you want to follow along you can check out at dimel guitar works that's d-e-i-m-e-l guitar works on instagram or go to dimelguitarworks.com and get a good idea of what exactly we're talking about. And then, then you have a good visual to follow to say, well, like, holy moly, these are pretty sweet. So, Frank, I, if you could just give us a, a, a quick understanding of how you got started in guitar. You, go, you can start wherever you like, but um, it's always fun to find out, you know, what was your first guitar and, and how, who inspired you? And, and then how did you ultimately get into luthiery? Okay, yeah, I stopped. Um, well, um, the story goes like this. My mother asked me when I was around six, uh, what do you want to do, like playing soccer or playing guitar? I said, okay, I'll try out the soccer. And then there were all these rude guys from the village I was born. And I said, no, 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 uh, I'd rather go for the guitar. Let's, let me try out the guitar. So I had a classical training for like two years and then I, I dropped it and I was not uh, doing it anymore, like typical for six or seven, eight year guy. And um, then I never and didn't touch it till I was 14, uh, where my brother brought in an old Japanese uh, SG copy. And um, he brought it in uh, at midnight almost. And I knew he would come with that. And um, then I sneaked into his room and that was my first uh, um, yeah, I, I touched the guitar and it was like an ignition. I, I thought like, wow, that's an electric guitar. And it had, had this um, smell of mahogany with this polyurethane finish of, from Japan. And I don't know, that was, it's, it's still in front of me like it was yesterday. Wow. And, but it had a broken neck. And yeah, my um, uh, my, my 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 father is a he's a dentist. Um, he's a teeth maker. I don't know the exact word for in English. Mm -hmm. he, he was making uh, teeth, new teeth, and he um, so yeah, he is a craftsperson, and we had also a craft room, and we started to repair that guitar, and I was so hooked to it to uh, work on something which. Uh, you later can use as a musical instrument and, and it's uh, something yeah you can paint you can cut you can sand and and then it makes even it makes sound and I was really like wow that that's it and then I couldn't stop thinking about it I'm in the school I was drawing designs in the books and I was collecting parts friends of mine gave me necks old necks I, I was cutting a body out of the kitchen plate of my mother <laughs> 
I started uh, yeah buying tools. I, I, I was for Christmas. I, I wanted to have a router, and <laughs> and, and so it, it yeah piece to piece uh, the room filled up with uh, guitar related tools, and and uh, I was uh, reading. Um, magazine, guitar magazines and and was um, like really sucking up each um, content about how to make them and um, I have a collection of these magazines I still have that collection it's like more than 500 magazines oh. and I, I couldn't never throw them away and there was no internet at that time you know you couldn't right. uh, learn making guitars uh, except you would go uh, have a, have a uh, official training uh, but uh, yeah, my, my parents expected uh, that I will do the same like them to make teeth. And I said, no, no, I'm not going to make teeth. <laughs> um, so I escaped basically when I was 18 I, or tw 19. I um, went to Berlin with my girlfriend and to just escape out of this situation of taking over the business of my parents. And I wanted to be a luthier and, and I did everything to do it. And so I had a training for two uh, years, uh, furniture repair, and then I um, eventually got to the university because I was uh, trying to find something where I could um, hone my skills, and that was industrial design at an art school. And um, the, the thing is, I never finished that study. I just started my own business during that um, university time. And uh, I just never got a diploma. So as I was only already uh, working as a luthier in shops in Berlin, and uh, I was uh, doing a lot of repairs. There was the city was uh, since 1998. I made my business, started my business, and we had like, um, yeah, average a thousand bands in that town. Wow! Whoa! And in, even in my street, I knew uh, that there's like 40 guitars in, in the homes of people because they bring them to my shop and want to have new strings, buy a plaque or have a repair. And I was, um, yeah, in the end, I would, there was so much repairs because there was not much guys in the city um, doing this. And um, I, I, But I wanted to make guitars and I ended up making guitars in the night and that was not uh, my idea of, um, there was just too much repairs. Mm -hmm. And and so I, um, five years ago, I decided that I will not accept any repairs anymore. And I was, I started to just build. I did a lot of custom guitars, and, but they were all like, um, yeah, once done uh, out of the house. So I never have uh, had work on the wall to show. And so I started to um, create the, the models we are now having on our website. And um, we, I only focused on, on that. I, I stopped doing anything else. And that was a very good decision. Mm. Man. And since then, we are, we are taking orders, working on the guitars. And, and we also, we try to, um, especially also my wife does that, she's getting in touch with artists via oh, wow. social social media management or whatever we we try the direct way and we even go to concerts backstage ask show them guitars and and give them not for free but just to to check them out on the stage or whatever if they want to buy it they 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 can buy the guitar 
And mm. so it happened that uh, Lee Ronaldo bought bought uh, this 12-string guitar, Very like good. 12 years ago. That was uh, my my first uh, contact to to the yeah showbiz world or mm. <laughs> big bands. And uh, since then we are like, um, working this way, and uh, the internet is helping enormously. Uh, without internet, I couldn't work. <laughs> Yeah. So you have uh, three, um, well, actually, I guess maybe three and a half standard models if you count the Firestar bass. But you've got the Firestar, which is uh, uh, your take on an offset, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You have the Double Star, which is your take on the one of my favorite guitars ever, the Les Paul Special Double Cutaway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have the Single Star, which is the Les Paul Special Single Cutaway. Yeah, and then you also do custom, and those uh, you're the, you have a bass too, which is the basically the Firestar bass, which is an offset bass. Exactly. You know, I think one of the we've we've discussed this with other luthiers before, but it the idea of taking a a known design and saying, okay, here does here is a design that is a, that has been accepted is loved and how do i make that my own but still retain the familiarity so that it's not so alien that people don't buy it exactly can you talk about that a little bit yeah yeah i love to talk about that it's a good question um i really want to um well, first, I have to say I love vintage guitars. I have a 59 Les Paul Jr. Ooh. And um, um, I had a customer in Berlin who is collecting all these guitars. And um, he's also playing them. And so uh, he repeatedly brought them into my shop and I had uh, the chance to examine them. And he even left the guitars at my place for a week or so. I had a 59 Les Paul stand-up for one week. And I could just, um, yeah, see what, what's the advantage and why people love those guitars. And um, But uh, I was not having fun just to make a copy mm-hmm. out of them. Yeah. And I don't see the reason to copy them um, because then there's no real development of the, of the electric guitar in, in itself. And so many people think, yeah, let's just make uh, Les Paul and I put another headstock on it. Also, I, I don't like the idea because there's so many good Les Pauls out there and there's one factory making them. It's called Gibson. And <laughs> why, why should I compete with them? Right. And with, with maybe getting even uh, getting into trouble, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, um, then I started to think about um, uh, why don't you mix the, the classic designs and take the best out of both worlds and just put them together in a, in a good, um, fashionable way that people will like it because they have an association to a sort of, to, to several parts of it, mm-hmm. which, they, which they know. And I also want to pick up the customer where he feels, where, we, where he is, where he already feels good. Mm-hmm. And if you pick up a Stratocaster, uh, you don't think about the guitar itself anymore. You, you will just play music with the sound of a Stratocaster, but you are, your mind is about music and not about how edgy or uh, painful or heavy the guitar is. 
and because the design is, is really um, yeah well done and it's um, this is something which I also wanted to have in, the, in these newer um, hybrid types that it's comfortable it's um, reminding you of something old or vintage having the quality of vintage and maybe even having a better quality of vintage because not every uh, hardware part or every detail was um, really good. Some are improvable, especially on offset guitars. We are using the mastery bridge, which is, um, I think, the, of course, the, a very good invention mm -hmm. <laughs> to make them better. And um, using so mastery uh, tremolos or vibratos, right? As well, yeah, yeah, we are having custom uh, made. They are making them custom for us with our engraved name. And I even I was cooperating with Woody on the plate design. I was sending him my ideas about how the plate should look, yeah. and he agreed to it. And he said he had a similar idea, and so we came up with this uh, um, original mastery vibrato. That's awesome. Uh, one, if you guys uh, who are listening want a really good example of this, uh, um, a recent one, uh, you not too long ago uh, put up a, a couple images of a, of a black uh, fire starter, uh, fire star, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I'm mixing up people. And yeah. um, it is, it's, it's kind of, it's like a, almost like a satin black. And you essentially, you know, it's, it's kind of a Jaguar jazz mastery kind of thing, but you really did just take all the parts that are on either of those guitars and completely rearrange them. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. I had to, I didn't catch it to be honest. I didn't catch it at first, but one of the, one of the, I think probably really innovative moves that you made was actually putting the bridge pickup behind the mastery bridge. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that, I mean, that's super unique. Um, and you also have, uh, your, uh, on off toggles, uh, that would typically be up towards the, the upper, um, horn, uh, mm. down way back by the actual butt of the guitar. So yeah. all of your controls are kind of in the same place. This was really neat. The um, reason for it uh, is a custom request. Uh, I had a customer from Latvia. He's a, he's a noise musician. He's not making uh, guitar. He's not playing actual guitar. He's making noise with uh -huh. it. It's it's an um, experimental way of making music and um, badly paid <laughs> so but um, maybe he's doing another job or whatever i don't know and it's um, he said to me i don't want to have anything uh, in my moves when i'm playing or he's hitting the strings in a hard way or he's making strange moves with it so he he doesn't want to touch any knob and he he was insisting on that i put a lot of stuff into it because he wants to make a lot of noise with it, mm -hmm. but it had has to be all on the lower side, down right. Yeah. And I said, okay, I tried to manage it, and we had to figure out how to put in all the stuff. There's a, a kill switch. Uh, we have a piezo in it. We have um, a Leslie unit in it, and um, there's like uh, the toggle, the, the five phase switch, uh, and all this has to be there. And the battery and everything. Yeah. 
and and yeah and the vibrato and the vibrato <laughs> so wow. actually there's a lot of routes and uh, if you take off the back um, cover and the, uh, the vibrato there's only a thin, a thin wall between the vibrato cavity and the electro electronic cavity yeah so that's a lot uh, of electronics in there yeah and then he uh, in the end he was really happy and he has a new creative tool and he likes to to figure figure out the combinations of uh, the effects and well, it's really uh, it, also the pickup behind the bridge uh, um, i have seen these ideas on uh, japanese experimental guitars there there were in the 80s 90s some japanese bands i don't remember their names but they had pickups all over the guitar yeah. they were putting them <laughs> under on the headstock yeah behind on, the nut <laughs> every, yeah behind the nut every there was and um so i i it's not my idea it's not uh, um grown on my own uh-huh. so uh yeah but i just um said i can do this and offer it and and it picks up the strings behind the bridge and uh yeah you can make even when you you can take off the other pickups and only this one on you you can still play and, and the pickup will um take the the sound of the regular strings the regular playing uh-huh. and it sounds like very far away yeah that's neat i would love to hear that like and then you can put on the piezo you can kill the, um, the sound of the kill switch you can put on the the leslie and it all mixes up and then it's very interesting wow uh, what, what was the first model you started uh, working on? Um, the first one was the Firestar. Oh wow! Okay. Are you uh, on the on our regular series or custom? Okay, that's uh, that's interesting because that's obviously a more complex design. And so typically, you see people starting out with the 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 simpler. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, maybe I've uh, not understood the question in a correct way. The first guitar I was actually working on was the double star, the double cut design. I see. Okay. When I was young and starting building. Okay. That That makes a little bit more sense. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's also my personal love. And uh, I really love the harmony of the the, the simple uh, of the body outline. I, I just love it. I can't even explain why I love it, but it's appealing to me. You you have a a friend uh, on, in that I it is it is sort of unexplainable. I first yeah. time I saw one I said I I yeah yeah I love that. <laughs> yes yes yeah yes, exactly. Also why uh, the pickup uh, I mean the neck is attached to the body at the last fret and is uh, this this looks so cool. Yeah. I mean one pickup guitar and <laughs> yeah. Mm. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I think we, we let's let's kind of touch on um, uh, the some of the other design things that you've chosen to to do. That I I think you when we were talking about taking something that was familiar and and making it your own, you seem to have made some choices that feel like they they are becoming or have become already, and I'm just not aware of it yet because, you know, I don't have a long history of, of knowing your brand, but there are some signature things that you seem to do on your guitars that 
seem like they actually could be become sort of normal uh, and copied. Um, yeah. What, could you elaborate on, on any of that or? Yeah, that's um, in a way it's true. I mean, I've also noticed that, that there is a um, movement now um, where a lot of people uh, create similar uh, offset type guitars. And um, it seems to be like I have, uh, maybe I was not the first, but one of the first ones who, um, I mean, yeah, use these. Well, the, the, the basic idea is to mix uh, the non-reverse Firebird with the Jazzmaster Jaguar designs. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, as I'm personally, I'm, I'm loving the uh, music played with offset guitars and um, all kind of uh, noise music or like Sonic Youth or mm -hmm. shoegaze music and then, or even with drop down tunings and more the experimental ways of, uh, of it. And so it turned out to be, yeah, by putting these elements together, there were like typical things which have to be there, which is a pick art. Um, we are making these three-piece pickups in our own way, and um, then there's these offset tremolo custom version, and um, yeah, and then these switch sections, which we uh, see as a creative element. And I um, understood why Leo Fender was putting on all these switches, but they were sometimes on the wrong position, like pickup routing or extra effects like bass cut or what we are using piezo piezo you say i think basil <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah this is something where we want to uh give the musician a tool to make more creative uh, sounds mm -hmm. and that's the idea behind it and, and we see the guitar and the offset guitar in general as a as a tool for creative cre creativity more than a les paul or a strat and um you can play behind the bridge. You can make all kinds of kinds of uh, different noises, and which you can't do on a on a Les Paul. And um, that's why it's so yeah, appealing. Is there a particular band or particular artist that uh, that you listen to, like a favorite that maybe had an influence on on how you made guitars or how you wanted to make them sound? Or is, is there any what other influences have you had along with just being, you know, uh, interested in, in building guitars? What well, other yeah. outside influences? Yeah. Um, one of my all-time favorites is uh, Frank Zappa and okay. um, Carlos Santana. <laughs> so it's uh, a little bit strange because it does not have anything to do with the offset guitars or the musicians who normally play these kind of guitars. But I like the... Um, well, the, the, the Frank Zappa thing is he also used a lot of um, effects and electronics in his guitars. He was customizing yeah. them. And he had, a, so with this, he was um, trying to get a very unique tone, a signature sound on his own. And um, I really loved the album Shut Up and Play Your Guitar. This yeah. one, that was the first album I bought from him. And I was like, 17 or so and i listened to it um in the night huh. and i really loved how the the, the mutuum biphaser and uh, the feedback of flangers and, and and high distortion 
came together to a very, very, uh, I mean, like for me, it was like out of the universe sounds. Santana was the same way. They, yeah. He, he had a guitar that uh, actually had an LS6 for a little while. Oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. But the reason he wanted that, because it had so many different sounds. So, yeah. I know Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead. He was the same way too. He 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 had these guitars that had hundreds of different, you know, sound sounds and and different, uh, you know, combinations of pickups and all this and that. So, mm. yeah, that's pretty interesting. Can we yeah. uh, can we talk yeah, a little some... bit about your uh, the Leslie? Yeah, this is something, uh, the Leslie um, was not, uh, the idea came from a friend of mine, uh, his name is Pascal Stoffels, he's a um, Belgian guy, and we met in Berlin, and uh, the idea is 18 years old already, he was uh, starting with um, experimenting on his, on his guitars, um, by also thinking about what, what can be done to it which which is not usual and i don't know how or why he came up with it but uh, he attached a motor to the pickups uh, he used a real electric motor and there was a disc on top um which was um where the where the pickups were attached to and like, while the disc was rotating it was switching the pickups like a like a, a servo kind of a motor yeah, electric little a little model motor. Oh, okay, a little tiny electric rotary motor that just yeah, would exactly. spin. Yeah, yeah, and and he made little uh, contact uh, things out of copper with springs, pressure springs, and so that the the pickups could be soldered to it. And and these this uh, motor was turning, and the disc was um, then switching um, the pickups. Let me ask you this. Did the pickups pick up the sound of the motor? Oh, no. That was actually not the case, oh, which wow. was quite interesting. And I also thought, like, wow, this will make a lot of noise. But um, what was the problem was that there was a clicking switch sound right. in between. The connections you, tapping. Yeah, exactly. And then you had, like, um, the changing of the sound, but you also had the tick, 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 tick. Mm. Ah. in between and that was like funny but uh we didn't like it and we we said this has to be deleted somehow and we tried to figure out how to do it mechanically and there was no real solution to it so we asked yeah how uh, maybe a friend of us who's doing amp repairs uh, can make us um, a seer cut and then they figured out something actually it's a very very simple thing it's a stereo panner now it's just panning two signals, huh. and it's deleting uh, the noise, uh, the clicking noise in the middle, so it's oscillating. Nice. So now it's a chip, not a motor. Yeah, exactly. Now we have a, a, a circuit yeah. with a chip. There's two chips on it and several capacitors and uh, resistors, and and, and um, it's now it's perfect. I have a friend who is also making pedals, and he's doing these uh, circuit for me. Very cool. Wow. I am so super intrigued by that. I I really want one of those now. <laughs> Here's an well, idea. Yeah. Do you do you do you sell those uh are they only in your your custom guitars or 
Yeah, for the, um, yeah, we don't want to sell them as a unit, as a single unit, uh, at least not now. We yeah. want to use them for um, to sell our guitars. And um, But um, um, we have ideas about replacing the rhythm section of a Jaguar Jazzmaster with that. Jeez, very cool. And it's actually possible. The only thing, the only problem is you have to put a battery in the guitar. And we still have not found a good way to deal with the battery case. I mean, you know, not. Uh, I don't think a lot of people want to put a battery in their vintage guitar. Right. <laughs> and that's that's true. Yeah. I mean, but you, yeah, the you, rhythm section can be used. You can use the wheelers uh, for speed and intensity, and you can use the switch for on/off, and uh, that's no problem. <laughs> so anybody that is uh, following along, you can go check this out uh, at uh, Dimel Guitar Works, D-E-I-M-E-L, Guitar Works. And then look for, uh, on the homepage at the bottom, there's a section and it's uh, Les Lee. So it's L-E-S-L-E-E. -E. Yeah, uh, because Lee, Lee Renato had, had the first version and he, uh, he also supported us with, with this idea to make it. Yeah. Uh, wow, that is so intriguing. I'm just, just I want to hear that so bad. So, <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah stereo. From far away, you think, okay, that's a Univibe sound or something like that. But uh, if you listen really closely, you notice there's the difference between neck and bridge pickup. Yeah. And bright, warm, bright, warm. And there's a, a certain phasing when they swap. And that's, that's making it unique. I've, I think that sounds okay. So I love vibe and I love, you know, uh, that whole sound is, is one of my favorite things in guitar. And that is, is very limited because you're, you're essentially taking the signal from the guitar. So you don't have the choice to mess around with your pickups. You're just taking whatever signals coming out of there and then you're doing the, the wobbly bit to it. But the idea yeah. of using the actual pickups to do that is just so cool. Well, yeah, because you'll have the low ends, or you'll have, um, you know, the lower end vibration, and then the, the higher end. It just it's a total difference. You're getting that that oscillating sound yeah. directly yeah. from the strings. Yeah. And on that black guitar we were talking about, um, the, the noise guitar, uh, you can switch between the behind bridge pickup and the bridge pickup working in the Leslie sticker. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would give you some real interesting yeah. effect. It's like mm. a, the real high strings on a harp, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of right now. To, to utilize that pickup, you would pluck the strings behind the bridge and yeah it's just, or, or an arch top or something like that know? that's got that long lead <laughs> yeah, yeah. down to the tailpiece right that would sound cool too so let's quickly talk about i mean one of the most obvious things if you're looking at your instagram you're like hey these are really cool guitars look at the anodized pick guards these are really cool wait what is that and that's what i did when i saw mm. the artist series uh guitars yeah so mm -hmm. Again, for those who are not familiar, let me just give you a real brief description. These are natural finish in the entire body and neck are natural finish. Yeah, the body is swamp ash, the neck is maple. And yes. Yeah, yes. The yard uh, is attached to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the, there's, the entire guitar is covered in very um, pop, you know, kind of street pop 
pen and ink, you know, paint kind of stuff. Okay, just the artwork alone is is enough to grab your attention. But then you kind of went a, a step further and you've got translucent pick guards, plexi pick guards, right? Yeah. And so you can see all the all the electronics. I mean, this they are so over the top, but not so much that it, it is sometimes too much is just too much, you know? Sure. This I saw these things and I I don't know how many people I forwarded it to, but my thumbs were getting tired typing. So can you just elaborate a little bit on how, wh- how did that all come about and, and where, where has it gone for you? Yeah, okay. Um, well, my wife, Cora uh, Jünger, she's an artist. She's a pop artist. Uh, she has uh, done a lot of um, work on her own, but um, actually it's not easy to make money with art <laughs> nowadays. And um, we, we were always thinking about um, why don't we collaborate in a way that uh, we have to find a way to put the art um, or we have to try it out. Let's see how it works. I mean, if you see another, there's a lot of painted guitars. There's uh, graphics on guitars has been done centuries. And um, then as her art is very um, two-dimensional, it's like comic or pop art, I thought, wow, that that might really look great. And um, the first guitar we did was um, the Berlin guitar um, where she had several layers of her artwork in the computer and she was mixing it up like a collage. She was moving them over each other in various layers. And so um, we, we could find a way to even put the artwork around the body, which is normally not possible. I mean, yeah, we have to paint it. And so, um, and she's, she was also creating uh, layers which uh, were, if you take a paper and, and move it around a, uh, a body or around piece of wood, then you see how the lines go. And so if you look at that uh, guitar body, you can look from the side and it's, you still recognize or see the um, motif. Mm-hmm which is not as easy um, if you just don't know about perspectives and how that's all her. So she put a lot of work into this. And um, the first guitar was actually airbrush. We got a guy who who did the artwork from Cora on the guitar. Mm -hmm. And the other, uh, the last versions were, um, it's it's a method called Mod Podge where you attach printed, uh, laser printed motifs mm-hmm. to the guitar with a certain liquid, which is a mixture of glue and finish or varnish. And then you have to rub off the paper and what's staying in the wood is, is the, the ink. And then you can finish it over. Right. And then that's now our technique, how we do it. So you have a transparency, you can see the wood it's totally clear nothing is like uh, milky or so mm-hmm. and um yeah uh, even the fretboard we we did a version with where the artwork is on the fretboard we worked with uh, acrylic uh, dots um, and yeah we try to mix also the um, the hardware like we have spurzel tuners in uh, in bright um 
lavender or purple and and this makes it's just it's really fun to do this <laughs> it looks like you're having a blast doing it i mean yeah absolutely just and like shouldn't be any shocker but i really like guitar knobs <laughs> uh, and so we have a uh, huge collection <laughs> yeah and and just the idea of just you're you're mixing and matching all over the place so you got one of my favorite ones is just a little uh chicken head knob you've got uh on its own i think there's a one that was orange just one orange yeah. chicken head and i was like oh i love that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really is- cool yeah, these uh, things just happen in the last 15 minutes of uh, assembling the guitar. We have a huge box with all these um, parts. And um, I was buying a lot of uh, effect knobs in, in all kind of colors. Mm-hmm. And then we put the knobs on the guitar and decide, like, shall we take this? No, let's take this. And, oh, no, let's take this. And then, yeah, that's it. And then I assemble the guitar. Yeah. It's it's really stunning. And... I- it's just it it's one every once in a while you see something and it just makes you so happy to look at from a not f- just from a stimulus standpoint you know there are certain things that make you react and make you say like wow i really like that but mm. i personally when i've got that and this is why you know ultimately i started chasing you down is <laughs> cuz i said this makes me happy a oh, okay. b i would really want to play that but C, maybe more importantly, is that there's somebody out there who is pushing the boundaries, who is having fun and making something, making a real, totally unique contribution to the world that I already love, the, the oh, guitar world you. that I already love. So huge, huge uh, kudos on you know doing that because that's not, I don't want to overstate this, but I think that's actually kind of a brave thing to do because that's a lot of time and a lot of effort. And yeah. you can have one false move when you're making something in a, in a, in a um, more of a boutique manner that yeah. can stop the flow of traffic because people don't react well to it. Mm. Yeah. You know, so for that reason, I think a lot of people tend to play it safe. And this is clearly not playing it safe and uh, not only in the design and everything, but, you know, I think some of the subject matter, the, 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 the war guitar is, I mean, that's a statement. Yeah, yeah, that's typical Cora. She wants to really, yeah, have attention with her art and make a statement with it. Yeah. I mean, it's time to do this sometimes and you have to use this. And- yeah. Guys, any any last questions on the interview before we uh, just kind of? Yeah, I, I did have a, a question about the um, the twelve string you did for uh, Lee Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. I it, maybe maybe you could forward on a, a closer picture. I was just trying to figure out how you did the uh, the tuning machines up on the top there. I mean, I know you uh, did kind of like the the offset reverse thing, but uh, I, I couldn't see where the octave strings go in. Or is, is yeah. There... Uh. <laughs> I can, um, yeah, well, it was actually um, uh, um, the, the, the regular tuners are six uh, right, and um, the other ones are uh, left hand or six uh, left tuners uh, screwed in right in between the other tuners. Um, kind of like a Rickenbacker did. Exactly. The same thing like on a Rickenbacker. And then we were drilling a hole 
are on top. And we were drilling also a hole into the post. And actually, we cut off the or we shortened them. Okay, and that, that was going to be my next question. Did you drill another hole? Because obviously, the the a standard post would go too far into the uh, into the headstock. So. Exactly. Yeah, we customized that, and uh, then it was working. Okay. And are, do you, did you use any kind of ferrules or anything in the in the headstock to no, for, no, for the, just yeah, right against the wood and just against the wood. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's, I thought it was that was a great solution for uh, you know if, if for a twelve string in general without extending the headstock or you know yeah, putting and, them on yeah. both sides mm. and to avoid any heavy weighted necks and so yeah Perfect. by having too a too large headstock and so. Mm. Last last thing that I think is worth noticing for any of the bass players out there who are listening, um, we try to throw a bass bone in every once in a while. We started our show off, actually, at the very beginning with two bass players <laughs> as knobs. And, uh, you know, they, for various reasons, had to say goodbye to the podcast. But, you know, so we, we haven't had a, a proper bass representative. But I think if you are into basses, you should check out his he's got a he's got a bass on here that I had to double look because it was the it's the Firestar bass and it's got a vibrato on it. And yes. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> pretty thick strings for that, right? Or, or springs, I'm sorry, some pretty thick springs. Yeah, I mean the vibrato um is manufactured by Hipshot and um oh. they deliver it with uh, a little bit bigger springs. A little bit stronger, but um, not as much as you would expect. So, huh. and um, I was so curious about will this work? And actually, I have to say, it works perfect. That's I awesome. Mean, <laughs> it does not go out of tune. <laughs> it's really, I mean, obviously, yeah, they are not so much bass players using uh, tremolo in their music, but uh, it's fun. It's really fun to play. Yeah, maybe they should. Use yeah, it. exactly. Maybe they should. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're going to segue out of our interview, which I, I think, you know, it's easy to say we could go for another at least hour or two because uh, this has been a really fascinating discussion. Let's do a Jared's, Jared's warming up his vocal cords. Would you rather... Uh, Would you rep? Yes. So Frank has our question this week. Yeah. Um, would you rather use a, a, a Vox AC30 top boost or a Marshall 50 watt or 45 watt blues breaker? Hmm. Oh, man. All right. I'm going to roll the dice, the proverbial dice. And Tony. Without a without a doubt, Vox AC30 top boost, classic Beetle tone. Plus, you can fry eggs on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would sound pretty special with your favorite Rickenbacker too. So. Yes, it it sounds very good. Yes, uh, Jared. Well, I, actually, I've never owned either of them, so oh, I'm more familiar with Marshall. So because of that alone. I would go with the uh, the Vox, although the Voxes are just so deep and mid and thick, you know. I well, that's yeah. what the top boost is for, right? Okay, top boost so. makes it bright. 
I would go with that then, definitely. I, I would go with the, in this case today, the would you rather, my answer is going to have to be the box. Okay. And Frank? Yeah, also, I would go for the box. I just love uh, the mid-range and uh, how it's uh, going to uh, be so how it's sounding when it's separated. And uh, yeah, um, uh, that, that was the first amp I heard in my youth also. So it, it remained in my head. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I, ha I actually just sold a, an AC-15. And so um, I'm going with the Blues Breaker simply because... I, I love the sound of the Vox, but I fought with it an awful lot. I just, for whatever reason, just me, myself, we couldn't, like, hug each other enough. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't how, working for it, you. Yeah, I just couldn't. Were you yeah. using it with the humbuckers or single coils? Uh, both. Okay. They, they tend to be a lot friendlier to single coils, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Humbuckers sometimes oversaturate. Yeah, I well, yep. yeah, I did. That's what I found. So I think I love the idea of of an original blues breaker. I think that'd be pretty sweet. So I'm going with that. Yay! Yes. Fair enough. All right, everybody. Well, Frank, we are so grateful that you took the time to spend with us, and uh, you know, uh, now we are now we're all friends forever. <laughs> BFFs. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah. And uh, so, again, everyone, make sure you go check out Daimel Guitar Works. That's D-E-I-M-E-L Guitar Works. And uh, check them out on Instagram at Daimel Guitar Works. Please just spend some time looking at, at this guy's work. It's, it's really great stuff. And definitely make sure to... Oh, you want me to say it? Do Subscribe! It. Yeah. Oh, my voice is really cracky from last <laughs> night. <laughs> well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit us at our website at theguitarknobs.com for episodes, news, and guest profiles. You can get all social with us on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar knobs. Give us a tweet at guitar underscore knobs. And check out our gallery on Instagram at guitar knobs. <laughs>